2: That's Chumba com. No purchase necessary. DW, report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.
3: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the
4: Sports Social Podcast Network. If you're always searching for your next great adventure or seeking answers to complex questions, if you think of yourself as someone who takes charge, is there for others, breaks down barriers, or sees the world for what it can be, then you're just what we're looking for. CIA is searching for women of all
2: skill sets with these traits and others to join the Directorate of Operations and help protect our nation.
4: Visit cia.gov careers. See yourself here. To a Celtic state of mind I'm Paul John Dykes um, Once again, it's a Tuesday So I'm joined by Natasha Meikle and Lawrence Conley For another instalment of the Axom Bulletin Loads to discuss Natasha, and we'll just get stuck right into it um, It looks as though we have reinforcements coming in. So um, looking at the transfer speculation, I was reading through the last few days, um, sources looking at all the different players, and there are many being linked with Celtic. And uh, we've heard stories of various right-backs, centre-backs, and the one who may be joining us from Royal Antwerp is Aurelio Butta. Great news, but a wee bit... A wee bit late for tomorrow night's game, isn't it? But it's good that we are strengthening in the right-back position. Have you had a chance to check them out, Natasha?
0: Watching the you know usual YouTube highlights, the various things that are posted online, absolutely, yes. As you've said, of course it's a bit too late. Um, all of our transfer activity just seems to happen a bit too late, not just this year, but... Every year. So putting, you know, the timing of this to one side, then yes, it's absolutely excellent that we are now finally addressing the right back spot. I don't think any of us quite believe that we would really go into um, Champions League qualifiers with Anthony Ralston as our right back. And it's almost something that we said in jest earlier in the season that we would find ourselves in this situation as almost unbelievable that we have found ourselves in this situation. It's probably the spot in the team, let's put the goalkeeper aside to one moment, it's the spot in the team that, you know, really has needed addressed for the longest. Yeah. We never properly replaced lipstick. we brought Frimpong in who wasn't really a right back you know I know a lot of people think that he's probably more suited to being right wing we brought him in as well moved him on never really replaced him either John Joe Kenny came in as a loan signing but you know that's nothing permanent that was no long-term solution and it wasn't really a very good short-term solution either but we never really addressed that right back spot finally looking like we are doing that we know we've had a lot of people rumoured Bowie and Soppy and Butta and now it looks like we are finally getting one over the line so that's positive positive. he does look good in the sort of highlight section that I've, I've been watching but anyone can look good in a YouTube video we know that so we'll have to judge him on his performances once he gets here but from what I've seen what I've read about him he seems to be the sort of player that I think he'll fit Postacoglu's style. He seems sort of good in the one-on-one situations, which is something Postacoglu's talked about before. He looks like he's got good pace, can use both feet. So, I mean, any addition in that right-back spot is going to be very welcomed at the moment. But he does look like a good signing. And it is interesting, which is probably a talking point that we'll come on to, is that Desmond is likely to sweep in and take credit for the signings that are going to be coming our way in the next week or so. Um So we shall look forward to that.
4: Good timing, indeed. But, yeah, we will definitely be looking at the fact that um, someone who is often called the absentee landlord is... um now being very vocal through his uh, selected outlets in the media. Now, Lawrence, you spoke at length time and time again on Axom around Chris Ayers' best position when he was at Celtic. The fact that he left um, also meant that we had another option at right-back away. Yes, we have to strengthen at centre-half, but as Natasha says there, and we've spoken about the plethora of right-backs we've gone through since Lustig left the building, uh, never been properly replaced, same could probably be said since uh, Tierney left at left-back as well. Um, today looks as though we will get in our man, Buta. Uh, now, Natasha said earlier that uh, he looks as though he's going to be suiting Angie's style. I like the fact that he can also play uh, higher up the pitch. Natasha can play uh, right mid and uh, right wing as well. Loads of under caps for Portugal. No full international caps yet. He is 24 years of age But the question is, Lawrence, do we need a second right back? Because, you know, there's been a huge discussion about the fact that Ralston has been the first pick. He'll be the first pick tomorrow night, undoubtedly. Um, He's been given a year's extension on his contract, so he's going to be here for another year. But surely, um, you know, when we're going for four different competitions this season, that even... As a backup, we need we need further strengthening in that position. Would you agree with that, Lawrence?
5: Yeah, I think without doubt we, we need strengthening in it. Listen, it's, it's taking longer, maybe not for the usual reasons. You know, we'll, we had the how debacle, we've we got the manager in, we want the manager to final say in signings. We've obviously got COVID signings are taking longer and we've got a new CEO in. At last, we're getting one. Frustratingly, he's not going to be available tomorrow night. But I think we definitely need another in. Uh, I don't think Tony Ralston's the answer as much as he tries his heart out when, when he plays. I, I just don't think he's got it at, at the level we want for a Celtic right-back. So hopefully we've got to get another in mind. I mean, press conference says it's not just one we're targeting a position. We're targeting three first choices. So as if one falls through, we've got another first choice or, mm. or both. So who yep. you knows, maybe we'll get another first choice delivered.
1: This week on the marketers report, Patrizio Spanoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost mobile store for details.
5: You know, he came in and he said, we're short of wingers. We're short up short front. Well, we've got some wingers. We've got a Japanese boy coming in up front. We're short of right back. We've got a right back. now, you know, We've got a centre-half. Another position he identified. He's not identified. Goalkeeper is a, a, a weakness. But we do seem to be ticking off Positions he's identified as weaknesses. Not that you need to, to be a kind of brain surgeon to know that's versatility, we're weak in those positions. Mm. Uh, but we do see if we kind of good round the positions and and get people for them there.
4: I just noticed there that there's a guest appearance behind you there, Lawrence. It's Russell Boyce, <laughs> and I know that he will watch this back um just to see his wee appearance there going in for a tin of juice. Well, I hope it's a juice. I <laughs> hope it's a soft drink. Um this is the issue though, Natasha. The reason we're here, and everybody realizes this, and at this moment in time, Ange Poster Coglu is getting no flak, because we left it too late. We're in a situation where um he's 40 days in a job when he gets his first competitive game underway. Um we're a week later. And we're still scrambling, scrambling about trying to strengthen the squad. And we knew this would happen because of the length of time it took—106 days—to appoint a manager. So, you know, that for me is something that has put us in a situation that we can virtually um, write off the Champions League um, going into games like uh, land with uh, a shoestring defence defensive setup. Um, if we get through tomorrow. I'll be as happy as the next Celtic supporter. Uh, but we really have given ourselves a mountain to climb. And it's very, very frustrating. We're going to be talking about not only Dermot uh, Desmond, but also Don MacKay, um, And when we start scrutinising... That, because there's only so long, Natasha, that you can say, yeah, but, you know, he's only been in the job X amount of weeks, months, and then it gets into the Mm -hmm. point where, listen, it's your job, you're now responsible, legacy issues, we can't keep blaming the legacy issues. At what point do we get to that stage, do you think?
0: I don't think we're there yet, but I think we are certainly getting close. It was, of course, like we've touched on, the fact that it took so long to get a manager in place that has left us in the position we are so you know you obviously of have almost have to reset, you know, so it, it took those 160s. days. There's nothing we can do about that now. We can only deal with the day we have in front of us. And that's almost what Mackay said when he came in. And it's what Postacoglu said as well when they were asked in the press conferences about, you know, look, we're running out of time here. I think they both admitted that, yes, we know that. We can only deal with the day we've got in front of us and take it from there. We can't turn back time. There's nothing we can do about the length of time it took now. We can only start dealing with us Going forward, so I think people were sort of you know okay, fair enough. Postecoglou needs time to come in. He needs time to assess the squad. He needs time to identify the key areas that need addressed, and then he needs time to address them. And that's not all going to happen overnight. But we do need to start seeing signs of some things happening, and we are slowly getting there. And these things do take time. You know, we've seen you know players come in, a has come in, and he's looking exciting. He's looking promising. That's good. Kyogo coming in, obviously we've not seen him yet but he's someone who's going to come and strengthen the attacking line, again someone I'm excited about. If Buta's coming in, addressing that right back spot again something we need. Starfelt's coming in to address the centre half spot so you know there is action, they are getting there. Yes it's slower than we wanted it to be and yes we did not want to end up going into these Champions League qualifiers with the defence that we're going to use tomorrow night but I don't think that that blame can be put at the door of McKay and Postacoglu yet. This happens because of the 106 days it took to appoint a manager, not because of any action that's happened since they came in. Yes, Postacoglu said things are a little slow in getting over the line and that's something we need to address. But the timing issues and the reason we have the back four out that we will tomorrow night isn't because of particularly anything Postacoglu and stand. It's been the length of time it's taken to get to this stage.
4: Yeah, and I would also add to that maybe the three or four months it took them to actually make the change uh, prior to that as well, Natasha. Um, When we're looking at the the signing targets, of which there are many, and there are always players, um, you know, uh, there's speculation about loads of players at this time of the year regarding Celtic and Celtic being interested in X, Y and Z. One thing that we've not spoken about yet, Lawrence, is the goalie. Now, we can't ignore this. We can't ignore this situation uh, in relation to the goalkeeper. There seems to be two trains of thought whereby, you know, some of the names that we've seen mentioned, well, they don't fit Angie's style in terms of having the ball at their feet, playing it out from the back. And then the counter-argument to that is, yeah, but they can save. They can save shots. They can keep the ball out the goal, you know, which surely is the priority. You've stood up for uh, Barkas quite a bit, Lawrence. Uh, what's your take on him right now as we sit here? Because we know the mistake he made in the first leg. He did not look convincing against West Ham. After making a couple of decent saves, I've got to give him credit for that. Where do you stand here? Because we've got three goalkeepers, neither of which I am 100% convinced by.
5: Yeah, I, mean, I think Poster Coggle has made it clear that he fancies Barkas over the other two. He's, he's what we've got just now. He's not come out and said... I want to change him, as you touched on it, a couple of decent saves and a couple of you know horrendous er- er- errors against West Ham. So I don't know if it's a confidence issue with him. I don't think he's he said much around the team, but, but Celtic haven't said, you, you know, we've named the positions we are looking at. We've not said goalkeeper. No. So you've got to think of, is that because he doesn't want to undermine his confidence further while he tries to get someone in? Mm. He's going, listen, I really need to rely on him. and I need to get him yeah. as confident as possible. Maybe, uh, you know, I've seen the talk of it. you know Fraser Foster uh, wouldn't suit it. One of the best Celtic goalkeepers I've ever seen. I'm sure he can learn to use his feet. I remember Craig Gordon did. When he came, he wasn't the best with a ball at his feet, and Stevie Woods improved that aspect of his game. So, if we're saying we can bring players in, but we can't improve them, what's the point of having coaches there? You know, so if a keeper's weak with his feet, well, does he have the ability to improve and learn that part of the game? So I, I don't think there's much doubt who's the better keeper over Foster or Barkas. I don't think anyone's going to say it's not Foster. You, you, you know, it's the
4: big thing with me, Lawrence, and we've spoken about this a fair bit, Natasha. You see the game evolving when you get to my age and Lawrence's age, and there's things that you know ball playing uh, goalkeepers were not a thing a few generations ago you know, when I started going to Celtic Park and we spoke about this at the weekend and I'm not saying this was better but the, the ball was played back to the goalie and after the pass-back rule came in they just hoofed it up the park and it was a free-for-all to try and win it usually about the halfway line and generally if you looked at the stats we probably lost possession more often than not so I can understand why the, the, the more modern coaching systems are looking for the goalkeeper to be confident either foot, get the ball and spread a pass but we're not asking them to play 60 yard passes a la Alan Stubbs all over the park here. You know, you're just asking, play it wide to your, your two centre halves who are spreading out left and right. So I, I get exactly what Lawrence is saying, because if you bring in someone like Fraser Forster, and I'm not saying I'm not saying that is who we should go for, who apparently is not great with the ball at his feet, well, how great do you need to be in the modern day to take a pass and play it twenty yards to your left or your right?
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I don't think it's, you know, too much to ask to be rolling the ball out to your, your full-backs. And I think Forster had that ability, you know, enough to, to fill that role. My concern really is that I think Posta... I just think that Posta Coglu might stick with Barcas. Mm-hmm. He's He's had a good amount of time to assess the squad. I think, you know, if he decided we needed a goalkeeper, he would have went out and addressed that early. You know, that was... Probably our key problem last year, I mean, we had a lot of problems with the squad last year, but our key problem with the squad, I think, last year is that we didn't have a number one. You know, we chopped and changed between the three. One came in, made a mistake, went out. Another one came in and made a mistake and went out. It was just never really settled, and that unsettled the whole back line and the team from there. So when Cogley comes in, he knows he's got a rebuild on his hands. He knows that there are a lot of areas that he needs to address within the squad, but none more so than a goalkeeper. And he hasn't done that, which makes me think that if he's come in, he's taken the time, maybe collaboratively with Stevie Woods, to look at the goalkeeping situation. And I think he's perhaps decided that Barkas will come good. And if I think he really wanted a new goalkeeper, he would have done that very early and he might have persuaded someone like Matt Ryan. But for me, it looks like he's given Barkas a clean slate, a fresh start a chance to go and prove himself. You know, he's a Greek international goalkeeper. He played well before he came to us. There must be something in there. So perhaps Postacoglu has said, okay, I think there's something in there. I think we can get it a review, Fresh start, pressure off, you know, and it hasn't worked, has it? You know, on the back of the Michelin game, the West Ham game, surely he's now looking at it as well and thinking, maybe I should make a change here I don't think he'll put Bain in I think we saw the problems last season that caused by chopping and changing goalkeepers but I just wonder if he is now beginning to look at the market but again it comes back to the point it's it's too late that decision should have been made very early on and it hasn't been and that just gives me the concern that if it wasn't made very very quickly it isn't actually going to be made because Postacoglu thinks that Barkas might come good
4: it's a good argument. It's a good debate. I mean, Russell Boyce is of the view that you know Ant has to adapt, you know, because he is looking at Barkas and saying, "Well, that's the type of goalkeeper I need." Someone who's confident with the ball, getting passed back to them, spraying the pass out left and right, um, and he might stick his or dig his heels. and I think you are right to suggest that uh, Matthew Ryan, Matt Ryan, was probably the opportunity if there was going to be an opportunity, um, or or maybe we're just looking at that because of obviously the Australian connection. But if we're dealing with, with Brighton anyway but surely we could have done a deal um, because there is speculation at the moment um, that they are the club who are the forerunners to sign Eduard, I think Crystal Palace are also already, uh, have already been mentioned as well um, and it all does lead on to the, the next uh, topic of conversation, Lawrence I'll come to you first, it looks as though at some point in the, in the not too distant future Odds and Eduard will leave the building um, the figures quoted are £20 million plus at this stage. It leaves us with two strikers at the club and Albion Ayeti and Lee Griffiths. Um, even though, as Natasha said, we do have offensive players who can fit in there. Abada can play centre. Um, and, you know, I don't think that we've only signed Abada for, for the right-hand side. I mean, James Forrest comes back in fit and I'm pretty sure we'll utilise him left and centre because he can play in both of these positions. But, we lose Edwards, and um, we've got two two big questions really before we even get to the one of do we buy another striker, which I think we need to. A Yeti and Griffiths, two completely different questions, it's like be said. So, A Yeti uh, was missing against his former club, Lawrence. Um, apparently, it was just a, a minor injury. He has travelled to Denmark, Lee Griffiths hasn't. Where do you sit with these two strikers at this moment in time? A Yeti got off to a a reasonable start in the preseason, but a wee bit like his debut season it's tapered off um, in the last few games and then we've got Griffiths and that's a different conversation entirely so where are you sitting with these two guys
5: we've got a Japanese boy coming in as well uh, listen only one of them should be wearing the, the, the hoops out a Yeti and Griffiths and I think it's a Yeti you know for, for me Griffiths' time is up at the club mm-hmm. it should be gone Uh the atmosphere wasn't good when they come on against West Ham. I don't think it's going to get better in any games, especially when you know we've got a time castle first game of the season. But I just don't think I think the club should have, should have taken action. Looks like they made the decision that what he's done is okay. or, or certainly not a sackable of offence. Uh, really disappointed that that's the decision. Uh, I should, thought they should have held higher values than that and should have, should have moved on. And probably you know he's commented that he doesn't you know it's up to Lee Griffiths to win the Celtic fans round I don't think Ange wants to waste any time in that and I think he'll be looking at, at I think you know he, he's wise enough to know he can't have that kind of reaction going on in grounds amongst the fans it's mm-hmm. just going to be disruptive so you're going to have a Yeti you'll have the Japanese boy can play up front a Bader Forrest can play up front you starting to get options, but I think it's would still be looking to add an out-and-out striker. Maybe he wants a front three that can switch all the, all the time throughout the game, Complete yeah. all front three positions just for his style.
4: I mean, I, I mentioned it within the the realms, I'm going to call it the realms of the Axel WhatsApp group, Natasha, that we might get away even if selling uh, Eduard uh, by being interchangeable with a Bada and Nayogo who can come into the centre and, and run with uh, a Yeti. I think when I made that point, You know, Griffith's situation was slightly different Um, because I I do see the priority being get another centre-half and we need at least one left-back and obviously we'll we'll hopefully get a right-back and I may need a goalie. And I want to see all that sorted out before we start talking about bringing in another striker. Um, However, the Yeti situation, I don't know. I I really am uh, veering towards the fact that he's not going to be uh, a prolific goal-scorer for Celtic and we're going to have to cut our losses eventually with him. Although I want to be proven wrong with that on Griffiths, apparently there's been a muscle strain in the final training session at Lennox Town. Are the club now looking at this and saying, Well, you know, as Lauren said, he's gonna I mean if that's your own fans and that's the feeling amongst the Celtics support, you go into the the atmosphere at Tynecastle or any other ground in Scottish football this season. And um, they're going to be on Griffiths constantly. Now mm-hmm. that is a sideshow. Are the club making decisions behind the scenes, do you think, in relation to getting them out of the firing line and possibly even? And it would probably be on loan, let's be honest, because it's going to be difficult to get any kind of fee for Griffiths currently. Um, and that's mm-hmm. just on the on the, the basis of his the, the lack of football he's played in the last three, four seasons. Um do you think that the club have maybe shifted their kind of focus on Lee Griffiths a bit?
0: I mean, two minds on that one because we've seen before that the board don't like reacting to fan pressure. Um, we saw it last season when you know the fans weren't happy that Lennon was remaining in position, weren't happy with results. The board are not reactive to fan pressure, and they don't want to be seen to be bowing to fan pressure. The board made, or whoever at the club, we don't know, made the decision that Griffiths was going to remain at Celtic and be part of the squad. Somebody made that decision. If they then backtrack on that decision following the reaction at the West Ham game, that would almost be seen to be bowing to the fans and I'd just be interested to see if they do that when they've been very, very against doing that before. For me, one way or another, he has to to leave the club. It is only going to be a distraction this season. We've talked about some of the key things this season, being the fans and the club coming back together, that sense of unity coming back, the detachment that everyone's been feeling being removed and everyone getting behind the team to support the new manager, to support the refreshed team, to support this new Celtic side on the pitch. The absolute last thing we need is the division that we saw in the stands at the West Ham game. I, I was there, the atmosphere soured when he came on and that's just not what anybody wants to see for a lot of people that was their first time back in the ground in 18 months Mm -hmm. and there shouldn't have been that negativity in the stands over one of our own players he was heavily booed when he came on the reception then became mixed with people you know cheering him other people booing him there was arguments amongst the fans about that that just should not be happening in the stands of Celtic Park amongst your own supporters. Any player that is causing that division, that unrest, that distraction that, that takes away from what we are there for, which is the football being played on the pitch, anyone who does that just needs to go. Um, and I hope that the board or, or whoever is making the decisions at Celtic are alive to that, are awake to it, and that he is now being moved on. Putting that to one side. If he really does, and I'm sceptical, if he really does have another cap injury that's keeping him out of a vital game, then putting everything else to one side, he's not the sort of player that we need at the club in terms of his fitness, in terms of his ability, he looked sluggish when he came on, he's injured again, everything else to one side, he he doesn't seem like he is going to benefit the team this season and it is time for him to go.
4: That that is the, the second question really isn't it you know it, even if it is an injury it, it, there's the, the roll of the eyes yet again Lee Griffiths um, is unfit for duty and uh, and I think that you know it's a different uh, problem but it's a problem that we don't need Lawrence Conley now I'm going to come to you because I mean um, what you have in, uh, I still call it terracing sorry um, but in the, the stands of football stadiums where it gets to that point where you know Fans have fallen out over uh, a scenario that's either unfolding on the park or unfolding with the club. Um... There are disagreements all the time at the football. People disagree with the unfurling of certain banners, etc. Um, but uh, to have that so vociferous um, at Celtic Park, it's been a long time, I think, since something has divided opinion in such a way. I remember um, fisticuffs, actually, with people disagreeing over the, the boards. I remember the, you know, in particular the 4-2 game when Rangers beat us 4-2. They went into a 3-0 lead after something like half an hour at Celtic Park and it all kicked off and people were throwing um, coins and uh, food and other uh, items at the Celtic board in the main stand and it it all got a bit unsavoury. Obviously, that needs to be taken into account, Lawrence Conley, Um, and at the same time, the club will be looking at the, the player, who is still employed by that club and thinking well what is what is best for him is putting on that Celtic jersey and going and playing at Tyne Castle best for him as a player um, what do you expect us to do Lawrence Conley.
5: oh uh, They reflect on the decision and are big enough to admit they got it wrong and said look with what he's done and his behaviour he shouldn't be wearing the Celtic jersey and we've got the decision wrong you know, whether or not that's it's for league cup or not I don't really care. I, th- I think they should really just reflect on their decision and say, and if it's taking the fan anger in a division in a stadium to make them re- reflect, mm. brilliant. I hope they're kind of big enough to not go well because the fans are saying this is wrong. But we're not going to change our mind. I just can't believe that they made the decision to keep him. So it's kind of <laughs> where I'm coming from. That surely now, after the West Ham game and the, the change in atmosphere, that went actually, someone sat there and went we need to do something
4: something's you know. got to give you know, yeah. you're absolutely right and I, and I take what Natasha's saying about last season um, digging their heels in because they, they don't want to bow down to the, the pressure of the fan base because it's almost as if well they control us and they don't want to be uh, seen to be bowing down to the Celtic fans pressure um, interesting point coming in from IH Decorate and welcome back to the show mm. yet again another huge gain that Griffiths is unavailable for Let, lets us down so often it's not true happy with Butcher, but it wasn't earlier, um, and Billy Reid reminds us that it's 50 years ago today, Lawrence Conley, that Charles Patrick Tully passed away, a Celtic icon, um, someone who is something of a cult legend as well as a um, a hero uh, of, of a certain vintage and obviously played in the, the great 1950s side alongside Willie Fernie and uh, Bertie Peacock, Bobby Evans, Neely Malkin, et al, and of course Jock Steen so, and Sean Fallon. So a great name in Celtics history and our thoughts are with all his friends and family uh, over in Belfast and elsewhere. Now you made a good point, Natasha, in relation to being at the game enjoying being back in the stadium there's been a few people uh, speaking about the way that the ballot is working that it's unfair That it's not really working because there's a lot of people unable to go to the games and it's not as though you can trade your ticket back in people are, f- are afraid to do so anyway in case it affects future ballots and it means that even though we're getting 18 and a half thousand allocation we're not able to get 18 and a half thousand in the stadium um Do you think it's just one of these things that it's difficult for the club to manage or could it be managed better?
0: It could be managed better, but I don't disagree that it is very difficult for the club to manage. The bottom line is everybody is absolutely desperate to get back into Celtic Park. We've all been away for far too long. We all miss it and we all want to be back there. That's the bottom line. So everyone's desperate to get back. So a ballot system, which is effectively a lottery, is always going to disappoint a lot of people when we're looking at the numbers that we are i think the thing that's causing some discontent is that we do have a separate ballot for competitive games and friendly games which means that some people can come out of both ballots if that's your luck and some people can come out of neither if that's your luck and again it does just come down to luck i think a lot of people are saying it should be one so that people should have the chance to go to a friendly game if they've already been to a competitive one but then you create the disharmony you know if someone's Drawn out for you know a Champions League qualified and someone's drawn out for you know a friendly they're going to wish that they had been able to stay in the ballot for a qualifier. To me, I don't think there's going to be too many people in that position. I think the majority it would just be happy to get back to Celtic Park in any capacity for any game. and Go along and watch them train, you know, for for all they care. But it, it's difficult, and I do have some sympathy with with the club in that in that sense that it is never going to please everyone because that's just the nature of the numbers that we're talking about in the ballot system, which is a lottery. Thankfully, I think we're almost almost seeing some light at the end of the tunnel in this process. If we're talking about the numbers increasing over the next coming weeks, potentially full capacity by that second week in August. So thankfully we are coming to the end of this ballot process, hopefully, and we're going to start seeing I feel Celtic Park again, which will just be special the first time that happens, it really will
4: Yeah, it definitely will and uh, you can get back to your your normal Mm. pre-match rituals Natasha, Um, sometimes that means a few jars with your mates, Lawrence and a I understand that you and a few of the Axon contributors actually had a bit of a social event at the weekend, rather than coming to help me out with the West Ham game. How did that go? Did you meet a few um, people who tune into the the broadcast? Yeah, met a few of them down Chapman's Bar in Rotherham. Yeah, but it was great fun.
5: You know, good Celtic Park bar, not far, far from the ground. I believe so, uh, some of the boys then decided to, to go into the vogue. But uh, yeah, great night out. All part of the football, isn't it? Getting at Celtic pubs, sharing a few beers with your yeah. mates. Yes, of course. Pre match much like we're doing here. You know, who do we need to sign? Who's in the team? it's
4: and a big part of that um, experience, Lawrence. have you've ever had that opportunity where people. You know, friends Natasha come up to, to uh, Scotland or Glasgow and, and you've got to give them the Celtic experience which I've done in the past with people from Germany for example um, when they came over from uh, Hamburg, the St. Pauli fans uh, and you want to give them a, a kind of taste of what it's like on a match day and you take them down the Gallagher Gate and you show them St. Mary's and the Carlton. Now part of that Experience, Lawrence will be a magnificent monument uh, for Gorton Moor, which was unveiled at the weekend as well.
5: Yeah, uh, long overdue, I think. Uh, you know, old school friend of mine, Canon uh, White, uh, blessed that he's now. The, that's one of his parishes. Uh, yeah, but but long overdue. I'm surprised, you know, they didn't pick a city centre location for it. But you know. St so Mary's is a great location, isn't
4: it? It's brilliant, aye, and it's so it's at the heart of everything that Celtic represents, obviously, the birthplace of the club. Uh, now, not always do we have people agreeing with us, Natasha, so when they do, I like to bring up the comments. <laughs> Magnet 67, you're commenting on YouTube. Natasha's right. Giff is just a distraction. Now, and um, is the last thing we need. Yeah, absolutely, that is the last thing that we need at the moment. And um, John brings up the subject of... Dermot Desmond, a pity he Mm. didn't get involved last October instead of waiting until now. Let's talk a wee bit then about Dermot Desmond. Uh, In the past he has often been described as the absentee landlord. Now he's being described as the driving force behind Celtic's rebuild and the recruitment drive um, in relation to uh, hopefully wrestling the the title back from Rangers. Um, He's obviously been feeding stories, or the club have been feeding stories to selected outlets. Natasha, when I read it, the first thing I'm thinking is, does it You know, on the one hand, does it undermine those who are involved in the day-to-day running of the club that he, you know, comes along and, you know, decides I'm going to get involved? Um, Or is it about time? Like, uh, you know, like John said, is it about time or is it overdue that he actually comes and gets involved here?
0: I don't particularly want him to be involved in the signing process or the negotiations. I want him to be involved to the extent that I want him to put his hand in his pocket and fund whatever Poster Cogler wants to do. But other than that, I don't see any reason for Desmond to be involved in the negotiations and the signings and who we're bringing in. What, are we going to have Desmond in place of a scouting department now? Is that what we're doing? Like That's not what I want to see happen and that's not the way a football club should be run leave it to the people who we have in place for that to me it just seems like we've leaked the story to the daily record um, and to other outlets that story has been put there for a purpose and to me it just if i'm being cynical it looks a bit like desmond has put it out there to come in at the last minute and be seen to be the one getting everything over the line and saving the day again and yeah, it seems a little bit self-serving for me. I'm sure there's a lot of work been going on in the background from other people in terms of the transfers that t- and the targets that we're bringing in. And as long as Desmond is funding them, and as long as we're getting in who Coglu wants to get in, I think that's where Dermot Desmond's um, input should end on that. I don't think we particularly need him to be negotiating these deals for us.
4: You know, when we're talking about when he has come in. Lawrence, and often it's in times where we need uh, the backing uh, in, a, in a big big way, and we've spoken about various managers that he's been involved in, the process of bringing into the club isn't it a bit late for him to come in at this stage I mean, you know, we we're crying out for that kind of involvement when we we're looking for a top class manager following the departure of Neil Lennon, and even before then to make the decision on Neil Lennon I don't know what
5: you mean about a bit late because he was definitely involved with Eddie tobacco. so his fingerprints are all over that. You know, in the past, he's brought his O'Neill, he's brought his Rodgers, but he can't deny any responsibility for Eddie Howe. So he's also been involved with, with bringing Anjan. So I don't think he's been a bit late to the party here. Whoever threw up that uh, less than watertight legal agreement with Eddie Howe that they thought they had a man uh, and was probably feeling a bit of heat from Desmond now, he's probably not liking it. As for him funding us, I think whoever does that through a share issue where he buys shares and increases his shareholding. I don't think he's ever going to make a donation to us. Uh, I don't know whether or not they should expect him to, but do we want him involved? <laughs> I knew he was good. Rogers was good. <laughs> Jeez, I don't think anyone comes out of the, the Eddie Howe fairly with any credit at all. I like what I've seen with with Ange so far. Don McKay is new to the role. If you can give give him some advice or some help and get stuff over the line, where else would Mackay be turning to? Would it be Peter Law? Law then? Where do we want him to be turning to? Desmond or Law? He's the largest shareholder. He's certainly got the control and influence at the club. If he can make decisions happen quicker, which you know we're of out for stuff needs to be happening quicker, mm. that's got to be a good thing. You know, I might be mistaken. It might all of a sudden. Decide he's going to donate some of his billions to us and, you know, spend 10, 20, 30 million of his own money without getting any shares back for it. But I wouldn't expect that to happen.
4: I don't think so. I, I wouldn't expect that. And you're talking about not coming out, uh, smelling the roses over the Howe deal. I don't think Eddie Howe has, um, in any way, shape or form, came out well in, uh, during that debacle. But we, we've spoken about Um I mean when we look at the age of Ange as it's been called um, and the capitulation against West Ham, Natasha I mean never nice to see Celtic losing any game but I mean we were absolutely hammered Pardon upon at uh, the weekend. Um, do you think sometimes it's a wake-up call for the boards? You know, this is how far we are off of this. I mean, yes, we're talking about European games tomorrow night. I think we also need to talk about the, domi- the, the domestic challenge. We need to talk about some of the teams that seem to be getting their house in order, whereas we are not at the moment, or we're not doing it quickly enough. Is that a wake-up call when you go out and get um, pasted like that, 6-2 at home?
0: I hope it's a wake-up call to the board or anyone who thinks that we're in a position that we can compete because I think the fans were awake to this and I think we were alive to the position we find ourselves in. So if there's anyone at the club who is not awake to this position, I hope that that, that 6-2 defeat has woken them up to it. I mean, did, it? From the fans' perspective, from my perspective, I don't think it particularly taught me anything I didn't know. I think we all knew that we were desperately short at the back. Yes, Mm -hmm. there was good signs going forward. There was a bit of positivity in our play. We looked good in some sort of aspects of our forward play. I thought Abada played well. I thought Christie looked excellent. We can come on to that. You know, so I think there was some good attacking play, which we acknowledge, we've seen. But we know that we are... (laughs) woefully <laughs> out of our depth at the back and that's not anything new it just showed what we already knew mm-hmm. we're looking at a back line of players who shouldn't be starting for Celtic nothing against them it's only based on maybe ability or age they should not be starting for Celtic and the fact that we found ourselves in the position that they are <laughs> is the concern You know, we are going to go into a Champions League qualifier relying on two centre-halves who have a combined age of 39, one of them making his first competitive start for Celtic first team. I mean, that is not a position we should have found ourselves in. So it can't possibly be a surprise that we're out of our depth at the back and it needs to be addressed rapidly. It can't be in time for tomorrow night. We know that now. There's there's nothing that can be done before then. We're going to have to rely on the boys. And to be fair, they looked fine when they came in. Um, it's I think it's unfair of them. It's a big ask. But the, the 6-2 defeat to West Ham, for me, like I said, didn't tell me anything I didn't know. We are desperately short of a right back. We're desperately short of a left back and two centre-halves. Today, we're starting to see signs that that can maybe be addressed. Mm. With Buta coming in, that maybe addresses the right-back uh, the right back spot. Starfelt apparently obviously won't be available tomorrow night, but apparently he will be available for the weekend. So that's a bit of positivity. Getting there, but there's still a long way to go. You know, that's only two positions. I think we need at least another left-back and definitely another centre-half. So, you know, we're getting there. But it says come too soon for for tomorrow
4: night. Absolutely. You know the thing, though, um, and we see this all the time because we're covering Celtic's every move, both on and off the park, on a daily basis on the Axon Bulletin. We cover every game on the match day content. Uh, There is a minority of people who don't see the deficiencies of Celtic. They can't see the deficiencies of Celtic. But we constantly uh, highlight them. On this show, sometimes you're called negative for doing so, but we constantly highlight them. So you're right, Natasha, the Celtic fans were alive to all the deficiencies. We never ever want to be proven right, especially when it's an embarrassing defeat. Pre-season friendly or not, you don't want to see Celtic shipping five or six goals against any club. But you know this, I I don't have a high enough opinion of many people within that boardroom to suggest that they have had a wake-up call because I think they're so out of touch uh, and they, they can still use the same sticky plasters as, as they have done for a long, long time at the club. And that's my biggest concern. But that leads us on, I guess, to Dominic Mackay, uh, who obviously has had his work cut out. Uh, Lawrence, uh, it was great to hear that he was at the uh, the service for Charlie Gallagher just last week. Uh, speaking to Celtic fans outside the service etc which was fantastic and I wouldn't expect anything less of Don McKay but obviously there's a lot happening behind the scenes Lawrence, at what point do you think the Celtic fans start as I said earlier saying that yeah we've got loads of legacy issues but this is on you now, it's all on you and it doesn't matter who you go to speak to this is your job and we're going to judge you on it.
5: When you're hiring that level we've got to be competent from day one but for whatever kind of effect they're having, you're really looking at anniversary higher dates, you know, year one, year three, year five, what improvements have they made over that timescale? He's not been it's not been the best handover, has it? He's not been left with uh, an all-conquering team, a great squad. There's a lot of issues for him to, to sort, and it looks like he's addressing some of them. As far as, you know, when will fans start to blame him? Lose two games in a row in the league and they'll start to blame him. Whether that's not is not a realistic thing to blame him for. Saying <laughs> listen we've lost two games and we're going to blame you. Yeah. I don't think it's realistic. That level of hire higher and what he's carrying out, it should really should be reflected on his anniversary dates, right? What's he achieved in year one, what's he achieved year three, and what's he achieved in year, year five. If you're gonna say, right, you've lost a couple of games as fans, you know, it's the CEO's fault. <laughs> There's no doubt we need to get people in. Uh you look at the Celtic board. I'm not too sure what function they actually serve, <laughs> you, you know, and, and what they've been doing. Because, as you've touched on, it's been apparent for a while where deficiencies have, have been. Mm-hmm. Been relying on loan players, mm-hmm. uh, having favoured agents. It's, you know, it's been there for all to see. And, you know, they must they must have a database where going, right, who's the centre-halves at the club? What age are they? What are their experience? There's a lot more data now on it, but they must have known that's nearly worth shotting Same at right-back, same at left-back.
4: I just think when you start talking about the the board, like you say, Lawrence, there's so many massive strategic issues um, that, you know, I think that someone like Dominic will come in, Natasha, and probably be a bit startled at, at uh, how out of touch we are in relation to a lot of these things. You know, Lawrence has touched on there, the recruitment aspects. Uh, how we've been going about that. How we've been very slow to realise that the the system wasn't working uh, like it used to, you know. Mm-hmm. And in recent uh, windows, we've ended up having to offload just about every single player that came in. There's been a couple. I mean, Juliana I, th- I think, you know, um, has been a good sign, and Frimpong has been a good sign. But there has been a, a lot of bad signings in the last. Two, three seasons and obviously beyond that. But they should have realized they should have had the business now to know that this recruitment strategy is not working. And that should have been realized many, many years ago. Um and it should have came to a head around about the Brennan Rogers times because there was a lot of kind of high-profile misses, um, be that players who came in and players who didn't come in. Big misses in the transfer um, windows. And then what you said earlier on, we've got a kid in Dane Murray who's making his first competitive start tomorrow night in a European game. And that shows you how uh, inept we are when it comes to um, our our youth regime at Celtic Park, where we don't have enough players who who are first team ready. Uh, and you're throwing in Stephen Welsh. Thank goodness he had the, the strength of character to get through last season, by the way, Welsh, because that could have ended his Celtic career. Throwing him in against Celtic, where, uh, against Rangers, rather, where the team was so fragmented, um, and all the way through the season, he's really up against it, playing with three different goalies behind him, and a whole host of other centre-halves um, of all shapes and sizes. So th- these are massive, massive issues behind the scenes. And as Lauren says, we don't seem to have that that strategy in place. It's almost as if we're starting from scratch with a lot of these threads of the business.
0: Well, it doesn't seem to be any change, really. When Mackay came in, he... and I'll go back to the press conference which we attended um, and we were very encouraged by what Mikhail had to say. We asked him about the change of structure, a director of football coming in. We referred to the fact that he had promised a modernization of the whole of the football operations. And what he said in response to that was that they were looking at the structures implemented by other top teams across Europe. And he wanted to be world leading in this and he wanted to make sure he had the right football operation structure in place. And then from there, once the structure was set and that Postacoglu was helping him with this, from there, once the structure was set, he would then look at filling the roles. On the surface, none of that has happened. We haven't changed anything. There has been no modernization in the slightest. There has been no change of structure at all. All we have done is replace Lenin with Postacoglu and replace Lowell with Mackay. Absolutely nothing else has happened. Postacoglu hasn't even brought in new people with him. The structure hasn't changed. The personnel hasn't changed apart from him. So what are we seeing? Where is the modernisation? Where is the development? Where is this fresh-looking Celtics football operations? We're not seeing any of it. And Mackay's been in the position or he's been on the the scene for a while now and absolutely nothing has happened.
4: You know, there is a comment coming in saying that um, a wake-up call, you know, that should have happened. They've been sleeping um, at the wheel since Christmas. I would actually go further than that. Kelly and say that they've been sleeping at the wheel for a long, long time. I think there was a, a huge amount of complacency that crept into that boardroom, um, and Celtic as a club became very, very complacent, and a lot of the um, the downfall uh, that we're now seeing is as a result of that. It's starting to uh, unfurl in front of our eyes, the fact that there are deficiencies that we got away with in the past. Natasha, you know there was a problem, Chuck £2.5 million at it. There was a problem position just by another player or, you know, once the transfer window opens and they're just throwing bad money after uh, after bad money. And that happened for a long, long time. And now it's becoming pretty clear that all of these um, strategic areas of the business are lacking massively. And as Lauren says, you know, you've just got to look at when the, the flags were being unfurled outside Celtic Park. A lot of people were saying, who's that? Because they, they play such a, a, a small part At the club there is no impact In what the, a lot of them are doing At the football club um, Now there's a few comments coming through In relation to Ryan Christie actually Brian Warrior reckons mm-hmm. that he's playing for himself As mm-hmm. he's in the shop window uh, Lanky reckons that he plays hot and cold I think he's always kind of been hot and cold Since he came to Celtic He's a key player for us tomorrow night though um, mm-hmm. I mean have you been impressed Natasha Since Costa uh-huh. Coglu came in
0: yeah, I have. I thought Christie has been absolutely excellent against Mitchelland. I thought he was excellent again um, when he was on the pitch against West Ham. And to be fair, I think he's probably been our best player in both of those games. I think when I'm talking about the good attacking play that we're seeing in the West Ham game, if we're going to take any positives from it, then there was some good attacking play again against Mitchelland. I thought we looked good going forward. The concern is that a lot of that came through Ryan Christie some of it's touchy some of his technique he is on form right now, and yes, absolutely that may be to be putting himself in the shop window and playing for a move. It absolutely might be, but it shows the quality that he has, and that quality will be a loss next season if he was if he could have kept that up for for the season. we didn't see enough of it last season, but we didn't see enough of it from anyone, let's be honest. The whole team was cold. It's hard to, you know, have players on top of their best form when the whole team were playing like they were. But certainly under Postacoglu, I think Christie has looked excellent. He is the driving force. He linked up well with Edward. He looked like he'd link up well, you know, across that that middle role the shame is that I think he, he is playing that well and he's looking that good because he is trying to engineer and move away from the club. There's not too much chat about a club being interested in him. There was previously, recently, have we heard anything about anyone coming in from him? Not too much. So that might be on his mind. He might be trying to get his stock a little bit higher, playing you know, in Europe, playing against you know, an English team, start reminding people that he's there, start yeah. playing like to his full potential to, to engineer a move away. I'd, I'd like to keep him, I would, but I wouldn't like to keep him if he doesn't want to be here and if he doesn't want to be here. Like Postacoglu has said many times, it's not his position to keep people happy. He doesn't want players that don't want to play for Celtic and if that's the case with Ryan, then yes, he's looked excellent, but it is time for him to move on.
4: Yeah, I, I just look at the offensive areas and I see the number 10 being Turnbull and Rodjick, although Christie can play there. I look at uh, the left-hand side, we've got Mikey Johnston, F- Furuhashi. We don't know how quickly he's going to adapt to the rigours of Scottish football. I don't think Johnston has has adapted to the rigours of Scottish football. And on the right, we've got Forrest, Abada, and, and obviously we've got the young Dembele who's injured at the moment. So for me, that's still a bit thin. And I, I just think a player like Christie, who can actually play in all three of those positions, we can argue where he's most effective, but he can play right, left or as a number 10 In terms of the squad, if you could get that level of performance, if if Poster Coglu could get that level of performance out of him, then he's a very, very good player for for Celtic. But uh, I take your point and I think that, yeah, He's in the shop window, isn't he? Uh, but, you know, whilst he's here, if that's what gets the performances out of him, I'll be pretty happy. Um, you know, another thing that's coming in, uh, Maravchik25 comes on on YouTube, and if you are watching, remember to subscribe, and you will be in the monthly prize draw giveaway. Massive big prizes coming your way. Uh, Maravchik25, get Loverick completed by the end of the week and send Johnson out to Mullerwell, Hibs, etc. for a year to see if it can have the Christie effect or not. Now, I'm going to take two points from this. Not so much Motherwell, but Hibbs. If that's said, Hibbs and Aberdeen, I would be reluctant to, to loan anybody to Hibbs or Aberdeen right now, because yeah, we're focusing on the uh, the European game tomorrow night. But I actually think both of those clubs are looking in pretty good shape at this moment in time, and Celtic aren't. You know, particularly at the back. Do you have any concerns, Lawrence, that not only are we a wee bit short from challenging for the league, but another couple of the clubs are getting their acts? in order they're getting their house in order and uh, we're going to actually be up against it this season domestically what's your thoughts on that?
5: Look, listen I think there's a number of signs that will say we'll be up against it especially you know when Jared come on from Australia and said look Angie's first teams you know the first year's not often that good it's kind of second third year mm-hmm. that's really good mm-hmm. don't worry it'll be good in attack but it's bit, it's not so good at the back you know, like Right, it, it's not things that fill you with confidence, especially when we are so weak at the back. Putting Johnson out in loan, yeah, we, 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 we don't have enough players in the squad. You, you know, so if we put him out in loan, who's going to cover? <laughs> uh, would someone take him on loan with his injury record? I know they're going to be paying a wage for that for that injury record. I'm, I'm not too sure they would. Uh, but yeah, Aberdeen's look, looking good. Sibs are looking good. We need to get more signings in. Yeah. Uh, it appears that we're, when round we're closing more off, but we could have done, don't we? You know, double the amount. It looks like Eddie's on his way out. Whether that's playing, I mind, at the Celtic board, you know, they're known to be to be prudent on their spending. Whether they're saying, look, get him off the wage bill and get that money in before we sanction another round of players coming in.
4: Well, we suggested that the other week, didn't we? You know, we were waiting on Iyer leaving the building before we bring in Starfeld, and, you know, the timing of that would suggest that you know that we were probably somewhere near uh, the truth for that one with that prediction. What's, what's your taking, Natasha? Are you concerned that some of the other domestic teams who, in terms of Hibs, Hibs had a great season last season? Uh, you know, it was the best campaign in the league for several years, almost. You know, one and a half decades since they, they, they finished third mm-hmm. in the league. Uh, it looked as though they were they were up for a cup. You know, but they hibs'd it. Um, they've retained their manager who's now signed a new contract. At the moment, they've kept all their, their top assets, although they were expecting maybe to lose one or two of them. So I'm looking at them thinking, well, they're no worse than last season. Mm. I think we are. I think Celtic are at the moment um, because of the amount of players that have left and we've not yet seen the replacements. There's no guarantee. It's great to get staff felt in, of course it is, and I'm looking forward to seeing them playing. A badders look good, but. You know, sometimes you think, well, he's 19. Is the consistency going to be there? I'm not being, um, you know, pessimistic here. And then I look at Aberdeen, and I'm not just basing mm. it on the one European result. Fantastic result, as it was. Uh, Ferguson firing on all cylinders are bringing in players pretty regularly at the moment. Mm-hmm. They're building something. Brown's there to marshal them. Stephen Glass has obviously got that good relationship with Bruni. Am my concerns Well, not yet. Uh, I'm not yet, because as you say, I am expecting a few players to be coming in in the next week or so, but do you feel that the gap is um, getting closer in that respect?
0: We'll find out as the season progresses. You know, it does look like teams are strengthening round about us. In particular, like you've touched on, Aberdeen. I think they're making some great signings. I think Jet, coming from Livingston to go up there, is going to be absolutely fantastic for them. I think he's going to be a player who really suits the style of football that Aberdeen have tended to play, although it might change under Stephen Glass. But I think he'll suit that fantastically. He seems to be settling in well and enjoying it there. Same with Scott Brown bringing something to, to the side, leading them, I think he'll be a great asset. So I think that's a, a strong-looking Aberdeen team, equally with Hibs. I was actually reading earlier today that they're perhaps interested in Jozo Simonovic coming back to Scotland to to play with them, which would be an interesting signing if they were able to to do that, if his fitness issues have have maybe, you know, healed, fixed to one side, you know, he could be a great he could be a great addition to them if they were able to do that. And yeah. both clubs, like you said, got brilliant results in Europe. So there is certainly signs that the teams around about us are, are strengthening. We'll we'll see how that goes as the season starts to pan out. But you, you do have to be concerned that if your opponents are all strengthening and you're not, then that has to be a concern.
4: Yes, um, there's a few comments coming in saying that uh, why get worried, why get carried away with Aberdeen and Hibs, the one against average Euro opponents. Yeah, you know, you might say that, but it's not just the performances in Europe. I just think personnel-wise, you look at Hibs, they did expect to lose one or two. They might still lose one or two, but you know, I don't think they're any weaker. And, and Aberdeen, I think, are looking stronger in terms of the personnel. Like you say, they're bringing in players that know the domestic game. They're bringing in other players who are unknown quantities. I think it's a good mix. And of course, they've got Bruni there. At, um, at the helm as well, uh, pulling the strings. So, you know, I could well be wrong. I just think Celtic need to get um, or act together in that respect. Good point, because there's always uh, talk about Nisbet at Hibs and uh, whose news found out about him from a teenage blogger who scouted the championship. He'd have cost 850 a year ago. I remember when he signed for Dunfermline, actually, he was very prolific with Wraith with, uh, Rovers. And there was a, a time where... Um, you know there was clubs in for him and they were talking. I think Dundee United were interested um, as well as Hibs. who were talking at uh, fees around a half a million pound mark. You know you look at them now and I don't think Hibs would let them go probably for any less than three and a half to four million pounds. Do you reckon? So yes, it's all about getting in at that stage and uh, having the ability thereafter to actually develop them that wee bit further because we're bringing them in as a raw player at that stage. he then developed quite a bit. Um, last season with Hibs So yes, these players are out there If you uh, look hard enough Now, we'll have a European game tomorrow night uh, Which obviously everything we've spoken about Feeds into, funnels into tomorrow night 1-1 Now, had it been last season or any other season Lawrence, I'd have been looking at this going Well, you know, they've got their way goal I wouldn't have been that confident We're going to have to win the game outright To get through the tie what's your feeling tomorrow night how do you think do you think Angel stick to his shape his game plan and as well as Murray is there any other changes you'd make to that start eleven? That's listen
5: I, I thought we looked really good up until beating gone off you know we created a lot of chances I felt we should ten more of them Eddie should have scored I suppose it's up front you're, you're looking and going what kind of performance we're going to get out of Eddie it's alright keep saying oh, he's got the talent, best striker at the club but it doesn't really appear to be putting a nerve and it hasn't for some time and want to want me to keep the one on one with keep with a JS go that maybe, but it's it just such a big risk for us whether he's going to.
1: It's the marketer's report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. as the number one audio company iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience, live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more
5: be bothered or not, and if he isn't it's, you know it's the focal point of your attack
4: but it's which is going to turn up
5: yep, so I think Ange may be looking in if he's lost patience with Eddie and saying, well, he doesn't want to be here, it's obvious. And how far along the negotiations are, if they, if they are, you know, but bit and Eddie might go, well, we don't want to risk that. Let's just get Albion and he's going to give us a hundred percent.
4: Aren't these the games, Lawrence, that are made for Eddie? You know, because well, he we missed the one one the, Remember the discussion that Neil Lennon had around Samaras? And he says, listen, he just didn't fancy it, you know. Traveling up to Inverness, didn't fancy that. But put him on a park against Rangers or Barcelona, he was all over it. He was one of that that type of player that was motivated by the big occasion.
5: There's a big occasion there, first leg, didn't be motivated by that. I don't
4: know. So, so, who would you play? Who would you play up front?
5: I, I would change it. i put out in. I just don't think Ed, Eddie's given us anything. Uh, I thought he, the one and one he looked half-hearted. That you know, you, you, mate, you've got, you've got, you've got to, you've got to score that. You know, he, he scores that and it's, tomorrow night would be a, a, a lot more comfortable for us uh, I just don't think he's given us enough in the park and has it for, for some time he's certainly not he does appear to be given us 100% effort doubtful he's even given us mm. 60 or 70% effort uh,
4: line up wise Dean Murray at centre half a Yeti up front and how do you think the game will go on?
5: I expect us to, to create lots of chances uh,
4: <laughs> a
5: bit ropey at the back but I'm thinking maybe
4: 2-1 Celtic Natasha do you agree with any of that I mean obviously there's the one force change at the back we've spoken about young Murray coming in making his first competitive start Um, what would you do up front do you agree with Lawrence
0: no I would stick with Edward Um, I agree with what he's saying to be fair I agree with the fact that Edward is giving us 60% effort max that his head is out the door that he is a shadow of the player he can be and that we know him to be but through lack of another option, I don't think Ayeti's a, a realistic option to put into a game of this magnitude. So through lack of another option, I'm going to start Edward. Mm. A you know, he, he wasn't even featured against West Ham, apparently, as you know, some sort of minor injury. How fit is he? I don't know if they'll take any risks there. Edward is still the best striker at the club. Yes, he's a big game player. He didn't turn up for a big game last week. I hope he turns up for this game, and he is the striker that I would put in just over a Yeti, to be honest. And then, you know, with that, there, there is no one else. So for me, um, obviously, the force change with, with Murray coming in, and otherwise. I don't, I don't see making many changes. I think, it, like Lauren says, it'll be a tight game. I do think we are better attacking, so I think we'll see some attacking play from Celtic. I don't think we can rely too heavily on our defence, showing things up. So I do mm-hmm. think we'll be looking to attack and create chances. And it's about taking them. And it's about making sure that we do take them and we didn't do that in the first leg enough because that team was there for the taking and that's the frustrating thing. I don't think that Michelin are as good as I thought that they would be and they're showing at Celtic Park. Perhaps they will be better at Home, but I, I think I think we've got a chance. Um, but I think we'll need to score goals because I think we'll lose goals.
4: Do we bring back Jamesy e. Forrest? Is he going to be ready?
0: If If he's ready, then I'm, I'm still not sure. I'm not sure he showed me enough, or sh- I'm not sure he showed Postacoglu enough against West Ham to, to fight his way back into that into that team. I think I like the look of Abada. I think he's exciting. I think he looks good. I'd like to see more of him. And I think that second half was a chance for players like Rodjick and Forest to show that they are still first Mm. 11 team players. And I'm not sure that either of them particularly took that chance. I know it was a big ask and I know that it was a difficult situation in that second half and that they were playing in a sort of second string team, if you like. But I'm not sure either of them showed enough to justify a, a first 11 spot tomorrow night.
4: Well, I'm just for the sake of the debate uh, going to go different from the pair of you's and I'm going to play Forrest at the right with a batter through the centre and um, mm-hmm. I reckon Celtic will win 1-0. Clean sheet. Bizarre, wow. bizarre prediction but we shall see. We'll be back tomorrow at 12.30 on the Axon Bulletin and of course we will uh, follow all the action uh, tomorrow night. The boys, Boise and Kevin Graham, will be back tonight on Schema Celica. They will be going out at 7 o'clock because we have the state of Scottish football going out every night at 6 o'clock. Great team of contributors, a young, talented team um, who are contributing to that show. So thanks, everybody, for getting involved on YouTube, Facebook and Twitter. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube. And thank you to Lawrence Conley and Natasha Miko for joining me once again on A Celtic State of Mind. <laughs>